The tech world's been very focused on one thing recently, artificial intelligence. There's ChatGPT, there's DALI, there's MidJourney. But one huge tech company has been on the sidelines, Google. I think to some people, it looks like Google was behind in making these really breakthrough artificial intelligence advancements into new products, into actual things that people could play with. And despite all the work that had happened many years before, Google was sort of beat to the punch. That's our colleague, Miles Krupa. He says Google's been developing powerful AI for years, but that the company has continually decided not to make it public. Google has many reasons for holding back this kind of technology, but it's kind of an interesting scenario to think about. You know, what if Google had been first to the market with this stuff? And now Google is trying to catch up. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, March 17th. Coming up on the show, how Google fell behind in AI. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Google uses a lot of artificial intelligence. It finds you faster routes through Google Maps, labels your pictures in Google Photos, and finishes your sentences in Google Docs and Gmail. But one type of AI that they haven't released is a chatbot. Back in 2013, there was a lot of stuff bubbling up. Google had already formed this research group to look at what they call deep learning, and, you know, advances in artificial intelligence and how that could be applied to the company. And within their own ranks, they had researchers who were saying years ago that Google needed to release something like a chatbot. So engineers at Google came up with a prototype for what this chatbot could look like. They named it Mina. Mina scanned millions of social media interactions and used that information to generate responses that felt like they could have come from a human. You can say things like, oh, I'm interested in going to see a movie. And Mina will say, I heard recently that, you know, a Wes Anderson movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel, was uh, winning some awards. You know, that seems interesting. Or it can even debate things like philosophy and the ideas of Plato. So it was a fairly open-ended, conversational computer program. At the time, this kind of technology was seen as revolutionary. But it also raised concerns that it could be used for spreading misinformation or reinforcing harmful stereotypes. There were all sorts of researchers and ethicists calling on companies like Google and others to be more thoughtful around how they were developing this stuff. These programs can produce, you know, 
plausible, nice sounding text, but it might not be true. <laughs> and it might not be fair and it might not be ethical. And we need to think about these things sooner rather than later. And Miles says this debate was going on inside Google as well. And it flared up in 2018 around a controversial deal. Google's cloud team is trying to grow very rapidly, gain new customers. And some of that work that they're looking to do is with the Department of Defense on something called Project Maven. That project planned to use Google's AI to help military drones track targets in war zones. And thousands of Google employees weren't happy about it. They signed a petition that said it went against the company's unofficial motto, don't be evil. They called on Google to cancel the project. And eventually, Google did. And it also promised not to use AI technology in military weapons. And Sundar Pichai, who's then the new Google CEO, rolls out these seven principles, AI principles, around how the company will develop its artificial intelligence programs. And what are those principles? Broadly, the principles commit Google to developing artificial intelligence to be fair, to reduce human biases that might be present in all of the text, all of the data that are used to train these things. And so did this slow Google's push into AI? I think what happened is all of this built up a lot of bureaucracy around making new AI tools and releasing them to the world. And many would say for the best, right? You know, this stuff is happening so quickly and it's often very difficult in closed companies like Google for outsiders to even study how these things work. So Google really staffed up on researchers and ethicists who would test this stuff before it would ever see the light of day. But these precautions made it increasingly difficult for AI projects like the chatbot to move ahead. And by 2020, the team behind the MENA chatbot, which had been renamed to Lambda, was getting frustrated. They'd been experimenting with using the technology in Google Assistant, that voice-activated search tool on Google's phones and smart home devices. So they kind of work in the background with Assistant. They do experiments on how Lambda could be used to answer questions through Assistant. But what they really want is a public demo. And what they're told time and time again by Google in different forms is it's not ready for prime time. Company higher-ups told the Lambda team that their chatbot didn't meet Google's standards for safety and fairness. And then... Google faced another high-profile incident involving AI. Google CEO Sundar Pichai has apologized to employees and launched an investigation into how the company handled the departure of one of its top AI experts, Timnit Gebru. Timnit Gebru was a prominent ethics researcher at Google, and she left the company after refusing to retract a research paper about the risks of AI. What happened effectively was Timnit helped lead a group trying to ensure that Google released artificial intelligence in an ethical, safe manner. And she co-authored a paper that became very controversial. The process around it became very controversial. 
And effectively, Google said that the paper should not have been released and that it wasn't really approved by Google. From there, it's disputed whether she resigned or whether she was fired, but she ended up leaving the company and causing a major sort of public headache for Google around how her firing was handled. People both inside and outside the company were very unhappy. And after that, after her departure and the attention it draws, what does Google do to its AI division? After that, Google promises to staff up even more on its AI ethics team, to double that team. And from what I understand, after that point, it becomes even more difficult, you know, to sort of release AI products at Google. Google says this slow approach is also important to building consumer trust. But it had its costs. The two lead engineers behind Lambda left the company. And last year, a new viral AI sensation beat Google at its own game. That's coming up. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Late last year, a new AI tool dropped. ChatGPT. ChatGPT. I'm going to use ChatGPT. I'm planning on using ChatGPT in my class this semester. If you haven't heard of ChatGPT, then you've been living under a rock. So ChatGPT comes out, and it is very quickly a huge success. It draws millions of visitors immediately to the website. It starts going down, starts crashing intermittently because it's so popular. So... Right as Google is sort of grappling with all these internal issues around ethics and the research process, this thing all of a sudden sort of captures the public's imagination. Behind ChatGPT is one of Google's biggest competitors. In 2019, Microsoft invested a billion dollars in the startup that created ChatGPT. And in February, Microsoft said it would use the technology to enhance its own search engine, Bing. Here's Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. It's a new day uh, in search. It's a new paradigm for search. Rapid innovation is going to come. In fact, a race starts today. The big splashy announcement in February is that they want to take on Google and its dominance in online search by creating 
a new kind of search experience that integrates a chatbot like ChatGPT that can answer questions right alongside the traditional search experience. What's the reaction inside Google to this announcement? Google is a little freaked out by the amount of publicity, I think, that Microsoft is drawing from this splashy announcement that's almost like an iPhone release. It's a threat because, as Google loves to say in its own defense of its market power in search, you know, choice is only a click away. AI-powered search on Bing could mean big trouble for Google, and it could potentially hurt Google's ad business. Because it could mean fewer people use Google search, and it could also completely change how search works. What's challenging about these new AI products is that often they produce these sort of synthesized answers, and it's sometimes hard to sort of check their sources like you would in a normal Google search that gives you 10 blue links. So in this new world we're entering where potentially more people are turning to AI tools like chatbots for answers, it's kind of forcing Google to be in this difficult position of how do we respond to this while also giving, you know, answers that live up to sort of the company's own standards for factuality, for accuracy and relevance. For years, Google had moved slowly and cautiously on AI. But in the face of ChatGPT, the company's response was swift. Last month, it put together a press event in Paris. Now, Google had been planning this event for months, and originally the idea was that it would be just sort of a regional European event to show off some of the cool new stuff Google was working on in search. However, by the time uh, the event rolled around, it was a very different context, right? Google was feeling pressure to try to produce something that would show people that, hey, we are also working on our own very cool artificial intelligence tools that might have applications for search. At this event, Google said it would release its ChatGPT competitor soon. It's called BARD, and it's based on Lambda. Here's a Google executive. Let's say you're in the market for a new car, one that's a good fit for your family. BARD can help you think through different angles to consider from budget to safety and more. Even though BARD's not perfect, Google wanted to release it to testers because there's been so much excitement around AI. We'll continue to use feedback from internal and external testing to make sure it meets the high bar, our high bar for quality, safety, and groundedness before we launch it more broadly. But then, things started to go wrong. In a promotional video for BARD, some people noticed that the chatbot made a mistake. It actually appeared that they, one of the answers that was powered by AI appeared to get something wrong about when the James Webb Space Telescope took, quote, the very first pictures of an exoplanet outside the solar system. On its debut, BARD had an error. And this highly anticipated event in Paris didn't actually give people a deep look at the technology. And that day, Google's stock plunged and the company's value fell by $100 billion. Shareholders and the rest of the world seem to basically think that Google's response, as it were, uh, was not really up to task to meet what Microsoft was rolling out. 
is it ready for prime time if it gets this telescope question wrong? Yeah, it's a big question. Sundar has basically asked Googlers to spend a few hours working with BARD and telling it when its responses are wrong or off base. So I think Google is still in this position where their hand was forced by Microsoft a little bit, and they're still trying to figure out what they want to do with this thing called BARD, you know? Is it its own product? Is it something to be integrated into Assistant or Search? It's still sort of a big open question. In an email to Google employees last month, Pichai said the company should prioritize building AI products responsibly and that customer trust will be built over time. He's basically said, employees, you shouldn't be worried. He wrote an email to the company trying to remind people that, you know, it's not necessarily right to be obsessed with being first. Google, the search engine itself, was not the first search engine, right? Android, the big mobile operating system uh, that's now the largest in the world, was not the first. In many, many product categories, Google has come second, but still won. And, um, you know, maybe being cautious and being the second mover isn't the worst thing for Google in the end. That's all for today, Friday, March 17th. Additional reporting in this episode by Sam Schechner and Sarah Krause. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knudsen and me, Kate Leinbaugh. The show is produced by Annie Baxter, Ariana Bowe, Catherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Pia Godkari, Rachel Humphreys, Matt Kwong, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Pierce Singy, Jivaka Verma, Lisa Wang, and Catherine Whalen, with help from Jonathan Sanders. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Catherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Billy Libby, Bobby Lord, Nathan Singapak, Griffin Tanner, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.